morning. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is so wonderful to see all the happy faces. Hallelujah.
just pray unto King of Kings this morning. Father God, we come before your presence one more time to worship you and to praise you. We thank you, Lord God, for this privilege. We thank you for your goodness, your mercies, and for your love, O God. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of all lords. You are the one that we adore, worship, and praise. Lord God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. You are great and you are mighty. There is none like you. There is none to compare. You are the one that is and that is to come. We adore you, Lord God. We exalt you. We praise you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercies, and for your love. We thank you for being so good to us, Lord God. We thank you for bringing us here this morning to worship you, to praise you, to call upon your name, Lord God, to give you all the glory and all the honor. Truly, God, there is none like you. There is none to compare. You are the one that is and that is to come. Father God, as we pray this morning, we ask that your spirit will fill this place, O oh God. I pray that you will pour your spirit upon us like never before, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that someone, oh God, will wake up in their mind, in their right mind this morning, Lord God, and they will give their life to you 
before time changes, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that you will bless our congregation this morning, our online congregation. Bless them this morning. I pray a blessing upon the pastor as they come this morning. Let your anointing be upon him, Lord God. Bless him and use him, oh God. Bless our praise singers. Bless every aspect of the service. Move upon us like never before. And Father, God, as we give you all the glory, we thank you, Lord God, in advance for what you're about to do right now, Lord God. I pray and ask you to speak to our hearts, oh God. Speak to our minds this morning. Transform us, oh God. Creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, oh God. Cast not thy presence away from us and take not thy only spirit from us. We love you, oh God. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. And come on, church. Let's just give him a round of applause this morning.
Yeah, that's what happens. 
not praise him? Instead of complaining, why not praise him? My steps are ordered by the Lord. Just canting to praise them this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another round of applause this morning. Give him a round of applause this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Let's praise the Lord, everybody, if you can this morning. Let's just praise the Lord, everybody, if you can this morning. Hallelujah. It's truly worthy to be praised. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You may be seated for a few minutes. Amen. I want to greet everyone. I want to thank the praise and worship team. You know, I was there sitting back there worshiping God, and while I was just worshiping God, you know, you know, oftentimes we hear about all these gospel singers up there singing and doing all these performance and everything. And um, you can separate from a singer or from a, a person that's trying to sing from a person that has been ministering, so to speak, if you please. And when, 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 you, when you're able to be in a place where you can usher the presence of God, where it can bring you to tears... That's not just singing. That's ministering to me. And this morning when the praise and worship song, in fact, in our 9 a.m. service, and when it song, you know, in fact, uh, in between our intro, I'm getting ready for a 10 the service, I told Sister Patrice, there were tears in my eyes this morning, and that's not because Joe's there. There were tears in my eyes this morning because the anointment was on the praise and worship team, and they were just ministering to me this morning. So, praise and worship team, I commend you, and I pray God continue to bless you and keep you and unify us more than ever before. We greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. So glad that everyone in the house of God to praise and worship the Lord with us. Our online congregation, we greet you all. And I pray and hope that before the services conclude today, you will be blessed this morning. Uh, 2000, uh, uh between 1981 and 1983, when I decided to follow the Lord, I give myself to the Lord. I said, this was the best thing that I could ever do. There are times that I drift to the left and to the right. But I keep my focus on the Lord. And when I, when I kept my focus on the Lord, I'm not going to lie before your congregation. 
everything that I need, the Lord provides for me. And that's because I stay faithful to Him. I stay committed to Him. I stay dedicated to Him. There's nothing in this world that if I said I need, the Lord won't provide for me. I can't go into debt, but it will take us all day. But we're serving an awesome God. Content to serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Come on, Brother Tom. Good morning, church. We had a prayer breakfast here yesterday that was fabulous. It was a a really powerful um, meeting yesterday. Um, I think it was the most uh, widely attended. We'd love to have you come join us. We stepped out on faith to something here inside of this community. And attending those kinds of things like Saturday prayer breakfast is going to be um, a real advantage to the work that we are looking for the Lord to provide for us. So we, so the next one is going to be on November the 6th. I'll mention that at the end. Um, we have kicked off our spiritual journey. The leadership team has been engaged in prayer for the past 21 days. Um, we um, stepped out in Monday, this coming Monday. We are going to um, have the entire congregation join us. If you did not receive a link, let us know. We want you to be there. We, we mailed out things. We sent out things. But we would like for you to be able to be partake with us. There will be two times that you can engage with us at 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Stop in whatever time you can afford, whatever time you're able to at that time. There's a lot of us that stay for the whole hour. And then there's a second time later on in the day. Um, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, it's, uh, it's an hour of prayer to step in and to be able to pray on the work that we're doing for each other, the effort at hand. Uh, we'd love for you guys to participate with us in that as well. Um, two weeks from now, um, the kids have uh, something special going on on the 16th. Uh, they're having one of those chat and chew things that they like to do. They get together and do their, their youth thing get together. They're going to meet at Chick-fil-A, which is kind of neat. Um, and that's on Saturday the 16th. Uh, the times are up there. I'm liking the french fries. <laughs> 12, to, 12 to 2. Thank you very much. I was trying to read the tiny print over the pastor. I'm getting there. What's that? H 12 to 18 is the group that's going to be there to chat in you. And then on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, the following day, the 17th, is All Nations Sunday. Um, Pastor Scarlett, are you going to say some more about that? Or Okay, great. All right. So uh, All Nations Sunday, that's a special day for us. Um, I hear my pastor all the time say, heaven is filled with people from all over the world. And we would like very much for this to be that kind of place. And so uh, we're going to celebrate on the 17th. As we all know, uh, Minister Scarlett is uh, the director of that program, and um, this is his day. To, to make it for our day. <laughs> the Lord's Day, sorry. <laughs> uh, some dates for you to keep in mind. Uh, the 24th is a day that we're calling Commitment Sunday. Um, shortly, uh, as soon as they arrive, the commitment cards on our campaign will arrive and they'll be distributed. We'll share those with you. Um, I'll have more information when that happens. But Commitment Sunday is the 24th. We would like you to prayerfully consider what the Lord is directing you to offer for this particular uh, campaign. It's a stewardship campaign, and we're looking for the Lord to tell us what that number is. 
Um, we're doing outreach on two different dates in October, the 16th and the 30th this month. Um, the next prayer breakfast is going to be on November the 6th, and then right after that, the leadership team, if you don't have it on your calendar yet, leadership team be paying attention. This is the strate our strategic planning and our calendar event that we do annually. That's in November. And I'd like to finish with this one thought. Uh, Pastor asked me to make an announcement about two things, and um, the Lord put something in front of me yesterday that I, I want to share with you. Um, I, uh, I run And one of the things I do every Saturday is I have a particular route that I go on Saturday. Um, this Saturday, yesterday, I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm just not into it. I, I gave that hour that I usually go out to run to the Lord. I stayed inside and I just did my thing, came to prayer breakfast, did all my errands, and I was on my way home. And the Lord said, go. So I went for my usual Saturday morning run. And... Um, um, is in the heart of Trenton. Um, that route takes me right down Stuyvesant Avenue. And so I went. I encountered um, nine police cars with lights all over the place. I encountered um, police tape um, blocking off the, the route and people standing all over the place looking at what just took place. Um, Trenton has some significant gun violence going on right now. There's a car in the middle. The police tape was about the crime scene. Um, and so um, as I'm coming up on the whole thing, I just looked at the police officer that was right there. I said, can I go through? And I was allowed to go through on the sidewalk. And the cops all looked at me like I was crazy. But the fact is this. The Lord put that in front of me. So here's what I want you to hear. The ministries that we're going to have in the building that's 17 times the size of this requires ministries, requires things going on. The Lord's not going to bless it unless we get started now. And so pastor's looking for some of you who would like to be van drivers, some of you who would like to be parking lot attendants. The point is, well, let me say it better. When I was in schools and I was administrator for schools, I carefully selected those kinds of people. The people that were cleaning in the hallways, the people that were driving the buses, I carefully selected them because they have a way to connect with kids in a way that teachers don't. And those of you who might do those kinds of things will be in a spot to be able to be a difference maker. All that to say, um, we need to get started. We've begun to do something with the recovery group. There's some logistics issues. If we had a van and we had drivers, it would we, we would be able to do more. Have a, we have a heart to be able to take seniors out and, and to their appointments and, and, and things that otherwise that are happening during the day that are, that are in the way. We, have a, we would like to bring the kids in. We, the, I've been talking with, with uh, the Haskers about the ministries that they'd like to add for the youth to be able to bring kids to us. We need ways to get them here. So just all that to say, it's a long-winded way to say it, there's some real stuff going out in the community. And we can be that difference. On the front of the trifold brochure that you have, it says, not just a building, a response. Have a great day. Praise the Lord, everybody. That's right. He alone is worthy. Amen. Somebody say it's offering time.
Before we take our offering, let's stand together and let's pray. We have uh, two uh, prayer requests that we need to really pray about. Um, Teddy, Rose and Teddy came last week. They were passing through, and they're back in Tennessee, but they were here with us last week. Uh, Teddy's father is experiencing some real sickness, and he's in the hospital. And so Rose texted me and asked me to pray and then have the church to pray. So let's pray for Teddy's father that God will touch him and God will heal him. The other one is um, Bradley, uh, our brother here um, at this church, Bradley Guthrie. He called me this morning, left a message and said that um, his grandmother was being taken into the hospital and she wasn't doing well. She was non-responsive. Well, before... um, you know, we can go any further this morning. I got the message that she passed away. So we need to pray for the Guthrie family that God will strengthen them and just, you know, keep them while they're going through this time. Uh, my wife and I was talking last night and we were just saying how, you know, everywhere you turn, there's always some disappointing, sad news that you're receiving. And if you're not in the Lord and if your mind is not fixed on Jesus, you can become real depressed. You can be. Depression could become a real thing in your life um, if, if you just continue to exist in this life without Jesus. Because there's so much negativity. There's so many things that are happening that that's just hurtful and, and, and discouraging. That if you just exist, at some point it's going to get the best of you and send you in a bad direction. So get in Jesus. So when we hear these things, you know, as much as it will hurt, as much as, you know, you know, we will be disappointed, uh, we will still find our strength in the Lord because that's how we continue on is when we find strength in Jesus. So let's pray for the Guthrie family that God will keep them as they go through this time of mourning. And let's pray um, for um, Brother Teddy's um, father um, that God will touch him. Rosalie. Um, give me some more information. Family member passed away. So we need to pray for, um, Rosalie's family. Um, they had a family member pass away. You see what I mean? Like you can't get away from it. It's all close to you. It's all around you. And if you don't have Jesus, this is going to get you. If we don't have Jesus, all of these news that we're getting, cause it just seems like we don't get any good news anymore. We're not getting any good encouraging things. We're just keep, we, we just keep hearing negative things and deadly things and hurtful things and disappointing things. And all we can do is just go to Jesus with it if we have Jesus in our life. But if you don't have Jesus, it's going to really discourage you and can send you so far away into no man's land. You don't want to go there. So let's pray for Rosalie and her family. Let's pray for the Guthrie family. And let's pray for um, Brother Teddy's family. Father, in the name of Jesus God, on every hand, there is trouble. On every hand, Lord God, there is discouragement, disappointment. People are dying, and many are dying without you, Lord God. Oh, God, we pray this morning for Rosalie and her family, Lord God, that you will comfort them even now. And more than anything else, Lord, that you'll reveal yourself to them, that they will allow you to comfort them. That they will follow your instructions and your directions, Lord God. I pray your will to be done in their lives while they're mourning, Lord God. 
I pray for the Guthrie family that as, they're more, as they mourn this morning, that, Lord, you will guide their hearts and their thoughts, Lord God, and that you will keep them, Lord God. I pray you will comfort them even now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for Brother Teddy's father, Lord God, that by your stripe you will heal him, Lord God, that one touch of your hand from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet will release healing virtue into his body, and he will be healed and be whole, and you will raise him up out of that hospital and bring him home, Lord. Lord, we're looking to you, Lord God, for in these times, Lord God, oh, Father, I pray that the world will turn to you and look to you knowing that you are the source of everything, that you are our peace and our comfort, Lord, our joy and our salvation, Lord. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands onto the Lord and thank him. Amen. It's offering time. We want the ushers to come. I am so glad to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Not going to begin to call names because, you know, amen. I don't want to call anybody out this morning. You know, been telling some people that I miss them and I see them this morning. So I'm glad, you know, they, they might not remember what I look like. But guess what? Their baby girl remember what I look like. She was happy to see me. She touched my face like, I remember you. So I'm glad that they're in the house of the Lord this morning without calling names, you know. My goddaughter in the house of the Lord without calling names. If you, if you don't know who those, these people are, it's up to you. But, you know, I'm going to greet them without calling names. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I was looking this morning, Brother Scarlett, and I was just looking at our, our church family. And all I know, you know how I feel, church? I got to tell you the truth, how I feel. All I want to do is get you into your home. My God. I, that's just how I feel, you know. It, it, it just, I just want to get you all into your home. God has made a way for us and has promised us this, this wonderful house of worship that we can call our very own, where we will meet with him and that we will be able to bring in the harvest. And I am so grateful that God has given us this vision and God is directing us into our very own home. You will be able to spread out. We see babies. We want them to have enough room. You know, IJ like to run around. We want them to run till they tired. And so we're looking forward to this home that God is preparing for us. And so we want you to give. Amen. This morning, this morning, we had someone come that said they received a mailing from us about our stewardship campaign. And so she said, I wanted to know more about reach. And so I came. I haven't been here in a while, but I wanted to know more about reach. And so I'm grateful that I'm here. And so for those that still need more information on reach, we will send you out another mailing to let you know exactly what it's all about. But reach is our stewardship campaign for us to raise money for our new building. Our new building is going to run us $1.7 million and a little bit more to outfit it. And we are believing God will touch hearts and minds that people will give sacrificially. People that are not saved, there are people that are not Christians that want their life to count. And they give to what they believe is to be something valuable will be something, you know, that will last for a long time. Remember, I tell you, people are, are fighting over what, you know, how much they give to a, a university because they want their name to be named on a certain wing. This is a university. 
We thank God for the university. We need education. But we know at some point in time, the university will never won't exist anymore. Education will cease because there's coming a time where God will come back. And all of this stuff that we deem very valuable to us, it will not be valuable. And so while people are positioning themselves to say, I want to donate to this university to have my family's name on this wing, I, I applaud them. And I think that's wonderful. But that's something that will end. If you join us in our stewardship campaign to raise over $1.7 million, you're giving to eternity. That even if somebody leave here through death, they still have hope because they believed in God and they lived for God while they were here. So their hope would be the resurrection one day. And because you gave, they were able to come to a give their life. Their children can give their life. Family members can give their life. And so what we're investing in is for people to have eternal life, not temporary life here on earth, which nowadays we see it's real temporary. And so the deal is we're giving to something that will be eternal. So we're not asking you to put money in our pocket. You know, I've been fortunate so far to say I work my own job and make my own money. There's coming a day where the Lord's going to say, that's it, Wayne. You work for me completely, and you're going to have to trust me to take care of you. It's coming, and I'm not fighting with Jesus, whatever. I've always been obedient to him, but right now I work my own money. So you're not giving to me. You're not changing my lifestyle. You are changing eternity for a lot of people. That's what you're doing when you give. So please give to our stewardship campaign. Amen. We're making commitments, as Brother Tom mentioned. Um, Sunday, October 24th, don't stay away. All of you that I see here this morning, I'm looking for you Sunday, October 24th, because I want you to pray and ask God to tell you how much should you give financially to the effort of us purchasing this building. You want God to touch your heart so you can give, not according to what you can afford, but what God put into your heart to give, because God will never have you to give and him not give back to you more than what you gave for his purpose. I'm not telling you to give for that reason, but because I've lived for God for a little bit and know how he operates, what he does is whatever he asks you to do, he outdo you. That's just the, that's his that's his ways that he he cannot change. So if he tells somebody in here to give twenty five thousand dollars for the building for the building of, of, of his kingdom and you say, but Lord, that's all I have. Believe me, Brother Weber told a story about when they were doing this, that he was saving money up his wife. He and his wife were saving money up to purchase a house. And God spoke to him and says, all the money you're saving up to purchase for the house, you go and give it to the stewardship campaign to his church. And he couldn't believe it. And so when he went, when, when, when he did that, he obeyed God. He did that. Guess what? They were getting ready to buy the house and the interest rate at the time for the market was kind of high, but they were still going to buy their house. But because they gave the money, they couldn't buy the house. So they were delayed probably about a year or so to buy their house. By the time they decided to buy their house, the interest rate was so drastically low that they saved over $300,000 just in interest because when he gave, he could not purchase the house anymore. And so he had to wait. And when he wait, the interest rate went way down. God just have a way of doing things, church. And so this is why I'm telling you this. Give to the Lord, not just because you have it, but give sacrificially and let God. There are doors that you want open in your personal life. Some of you might want to upgrade in your home. Some of you might want a better job. Some of you want different things. And the way you can do that is by giving to God. God told the people that, um, to tell them that if you bless me, meaning bless the work that I'm doing in the church, if you bless me, I'll bless you. 
I'm not, again, I'm not telling you to do it just so you can be blessed, but I'm telling you if you do it, you cannot help but to be blessed. And so I want you to give sacrificially. The 24th of October, come with a figure, with a number in mind. I told my wife, the Lord put in my heart what we were supposed to give. I told my wife the other day what it was, and all she could say is she couldn't even barely move. She seemed like she was paralyzed. <laughs> but I told her the number. She, she was sitting on the couch trying to move, couldn't speak a little bit. I said, we're going to be all right. Don't worry about it. The Lord put it in my heart. <laughs> so that, that's what I'm talking about. So just, just, just give... I, I'm not, I don't have it. I'm just normal like you. God has put um, all of us together. We're all middle class people here. Nobody's starving, but nobody's rich. And so we're all in the same boat. And so whatever God is asking us, he's asking us because he wants to bless us. Amen. So the 24th, come with your commitment card to say, this is what I'm going to give. And we are, we are so poised to walk in our building. I was telling Sister Hasker this morning, it's going to be so outstanding. I, if you... When you walk in this building, once it's done and outfitted, you're going to almost feel like we don't even deserve this. I'm telling you, that's how nice it is that you're going to like, God, you really entrust us with all of this. You really want us to have this. It is so fantastic. So know that you're not given to just any cause, but you're given to the greatest cause that will ever be known unto mankind. And we are so thankful. I want you to continue to pray for this fire company and all the fire companies throughout Hamilton. Brother Tom was sharing with me that there's an anonymous EMT person. I think I might have an idea who it is, but that's okay. There's an anonymous EMT person that comes in every week and drop money in our box over here. Don't want to look, look what they put from anonymous EMT. That's what's on the envelope from anonymous EMT. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so just understand that people reverence God enough, even if they're not walking with Him every day. something i know that is doing something so give there are people that don't that are not here physically that every week they don't miss on giving i'm just in awe of what god is doing there are people that send in their offering whether by mail or they pay electronically or drop it off you know what i'm saying people are giving because they believe in what god is doing and we just so happen to be the arms and the feet that god is using to execute and to do what he wants done that's all it is. So God is just using us and we're just being obedient. Amen. So let's give this morning. We're going to do our special offering. We're going to declare and, and, and ask for the will of God to be done. So I want you to look on the screen with me and we're going to ask God to just speak to our hearts as we give this morning. Don't give stingy, but give sacrificially. Are you ready to give? So this is our statement of faith and decree. It says thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. That is Job 22:28. Amen. You ready? All right. So let's declare. Upon the authority of your word, I have given and it shall be given to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. You pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, royalties received, 
my whole family saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. All that I do will prosper in Jesus name. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to give this morning. Father, we're not given because we want to be blessed. We're given because we believe in you, Lord God. We're given because we want to see, oh God, lives be changed and transformed for our world to be reached with this gospel. And so we give, Lord. We know you will take care of us because you are our Father. And so we thank you this morning, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person that have given, that you will give back to them in a special way, that they will know, Father, that you are with them and that you want to do great things in their life. We thank and praise you this morning. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give unto the Lord this morning.
and stand with me. We're going to turn our Bibles to to Mark. Mark. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark. Amen. God, Lord, I brag on you all the time that you started something really wonderful as a Christian person in this area, in this area. I know there's other areas that do it this way, but God daughter started something amazing, which was as a Christian, she went off to college and she bounced back and forth because she went to Rutgers University, which we know is close by here. And then she went to Boston U, which she found another um, apostolic, um, you know, Pentecostal church up there. But what she did was all her life while she was in college getting her master's degree, she always stayed connected to the body. She was always in church. And so while she was studying and getting her degree, she was in church serving the Lord. And I just thought that was just one of the most amazing things that any young person could do. And I thank her for that because now we have Josiah, we have Rayon, and we're going to have so many other more young people that go off to school, but they, nobody is telling them because actually I'm sure the environment that they're in is telling them hang out there and stay there and do something. But here they come on Sundays to say, I want to be in church. I want to be among the family of God. And so Josiah and Rayon, I really applaud you both for doing that because you don't have to come this way. You both drive. You both have your own transportation. You could just do whatever you want and stay away from church and say, hey, you know, I'm in school. A lot of adults do that. They look for an excuse not to be in the house of the Lord. And you all are in school and you can, you know, stay there and study and and have a good reason why you're not here. Say, I'm studying. I can just zoom in and check it out on Zoom. And here they are in person. So, man, you all are top notch. And uh, God, daughter, thank you for being what we call a forerunner. And now we have so many young people that will go that way, and we thank God for that, that we can see, we can get educated, we can become whatever God wants us to be, whether it's an attorney or whether we want to own our own company or whatever we want to do. God is not telling you, you know, sometimes people think that, oh, I don't want to live for everything do this. And no, what God does, in case you don't know this about God, what God does in a person's life is if if God had called you to be an airline pilot or he called you to be an attorney or he called you to be a scientist, whatever he calls you to do, what he has to do is bring you into the kingdom and work his work in you that when you become that pilot, when you become that attorney, when you become that scientist or whatever you become in that position that you are in, that's all it is. But you will not your light will not shine if you just focus on your education and 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 what you plan to be in life and you don't give anything to God. Then when you get to that place, your light cannot shine. All you would be would be a great professional, but you won't be a witness for Christ. But if you can get your life in order with Christ and he will lead you to be what you want to be, he's going to he need listen, he needs a witness. Whether in professional sports, he need a witness in all different dimensions of life, in professional life that we live, in corporations. He wants to have his people in all of those places because somebody got to shine the light. He doesn't, everybody will hear this gospel. And for everybody to hear the gospel, God has to have his people in all the places where the gospel need to be preached. So never think that serving God, now you hinder yourself from being what you want to be, your professional goal, you can't be that because you're living for God. Nonsense. That's the devil talking to you. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. We're going to read a little bit. 
and we'll get, we're going to get into the word in a second here. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse number 1, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with feathers and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the feathers broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. I'll get into this a little bit, but if you notice, that's not the man speaking. It's the demons and the man that's speaking. Verse 8. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Legions is about 3,000 to 6,000 demons. And so there was about 3,000 to 6,000 demons that took possession of this human life. Ten. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. Hmm. We'll get to that. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains of a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 pigs, that is, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. Verse 15, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray with him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee and had had compassion on thee. Last verse. And he departed and began to publish in the capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. 
Father, you did a great work this morning in our 9 a.m. service. We're asking that you do another great work in this service. We want for your will to be done, O oh great God, that when we leave this place, we will leave different. We will leave changed. We will leave in our right mind, Lord. We will leave, Lord God, in the power of your might, Lord. I pray this morning that the demonstration of your power will be unleashed and we will behold the work of God. Lord, I pray that you will lead me by your spirit, place me to flow in the flow of your spirit and touch the heart of your people that they will hear and receive and respond by faith and obedience to the word of God. We ask for your will to be done, Lord, and we pray you have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Amen. Clap your hands onto the Lord as you're being seated. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. You can be free if you want to be. You can be free if you want to be. You can be free if you want to be. <laughs> Sometimes we become a slave to our sin and our bad habits. And even when we have an opportunity to be free from them, we have become accustomed to them that we don't want to be free from them. We have even come up with the slogan that says, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. We don't realize the key word in that phrase is devil. So we've been saying this for a long time, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And what that's saying in essence, Rayon, is that, oh, yeah, I know I'm bound up. I know I'm messed up. But you know what? I've, be, I've become accustomed to this way of living. So guess what? I'm good this way. So you trying to get me to do something else? I don't know what that something else is. So just leave me alone and let me stay comfortable in being bound. Let me stay comfortable in being miserable. Let me stay comfortable in living a sinful life. And so if you want to be free... You can be free. You can be free, but only if you want to. Nobody can make you want to be free. You have to want to be. You have to make that decision on your own. You have to decide you want to be born again. You have to decide you want to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to decide, I want to meet Jesus for myself. Because Jesus can be present, and you can see him afar off. You can either run to him, or you can stay away and say, ah, I'm good. I don't, know what they, oh, I don't know what all the fuss is. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Sometimes we come to church, Sister Josephine, and you praising God and talking in tongues and worshiping. And they say, what is all the fuss about? Why is she going on like that and like that? I'm good over here in my corner. I'm good. Jesus can be present and you can decide I'm good because you don't want to be free. You have become accustomed to your way of living. You have become accustomed to how you kind of order your life. You know there's things wrong. You know there's misery involved, but you have become accustomed to it. So you just keep on going in it. Well, Jesus is here today. And you can be free if you want to be. He was tormented and miserable within himself, a pest to his family and the city. And nothing or no one could tame or control him. 
Mm-mm. But guess what? So is every sinner who the devil's influence has control over. Every sinner who are the devil's instrument are tormented within themselves. A pest to everyone they encounter and no one can tame or control them. The devil tormented this man, made this man miserable because the devil is miserable and misery loves company. And so whatever the devil's influence is in your life, you are uneasy. Whatever the devil's influence is in your life, you're not in a peaceful state of mind. Whatever the devil's influence is in your life, you are tormented. You might not be as crazily outlandish like this man that was running around the tombs naked and cutting himself with stones. You may not be out of pocket like that guy, but still, if the devil is working in your life, guess what? You're miserable. You're tormented. People don't want to be around you. They might fake like they want to be around you, but they don't really want to be around you. Something had to be done about the state of this man. But what could be done? They tried to bind him with shackles and chains. They did all that they could, according to their intellect, to bring him under control. But nothing worked. Notice, though, they used their kind of human constraints. Everything that they were trying to do to control this man was according to humans human efforts that is all society can do for its people that are in this state human efforts that is all society can do for the unruly and the non-compliant individuals they subdue them by the law they subdue them by put them in prison They subdue them by putting them in reformatories and try to control them. They try to control them by using law enforcement officers or by punishing them. They try to control people that way because that's all society can do. It's all it has the capacity to do. However, it is obviously not working. Everything that society is trying to do to help the unruly, to stop the unruly, to reform the unruly, is not working because crime is still out of control and rehabilitation is almost non-existent because man's efforts are limited and powerless against the power of Satan and sin. We can do everything that we can to try to reform. We can do everything that we can to try to help people to get better. We can do all that we want, but all we're trying to use is man's effort. And man didn't produce man. Man didn't produce man. So all the efforts that we're using to try to control the unruly, to bring people into compliance in how we live our life, we can try it all we want. Can't you behave yourself better? Can't you act like you're supposed to? No.
Satan's one aim is to blind his captives and lead them to self-destruction. You ever watch any of these, these, these programs that talk about, I can't remember the title now, but you know, crime. It talks about crime, and a lot of times you see these crazy men that kidnap, kidnap people and, and bring them in, and, 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 and they, they assault them, and then, and then they kill them. Why do you think someone would do that? Why do you think someone would do that? They do it because they're being influenced and controlled by the devil because that's his motive. That's his MO. That's what the devil want to do. He wants to blind you and then he wants to assault you and then he wants to destroy you. That's what the devil wants to do to you. That's what he's trying to do to you. And you might not realize it, but that's what he's trying to do. He wants to blind you. He wants you. He wants you to think that you're seeing clearly when you're not seeing clearly. He wants you to think that because you have eyes and they're open, that you know what you see. You understand what you're seeing, but at the same time, you don't realize that while you're seeing, you still don't see clearly. You still don't understand what's going on. And the devil wants you to think that you're seeing and you're understanding, but you're not. Because he's in control. He's influenced your thinking. He's influenced the way that you live your life and you have no clue. And the devil wants you to sleep on him in thinking that he's not doing anything. He doesn't exist. He's not real. But, 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 but whatever is going on in your life is just a situation for right now. Whatever is going on in your life is because you made a bad decision. Whatever is going on in your life is because somebody did something to you. I'm here to tell your church whatever is going on in your life that's messing with you and keeping you from Jesus is the devil working in the background. It's him that's doing it. It's not a person. It's not a situation. It's not a bad choice. It's the devil working in the background because he has blinded your mind and he wants to destroy you. Stop taking him for a joke and for granted like he doesn't exist. He's working in the background. Can anything be more sad than the wreck of a man's life? God gave you precious life. And the devil comes in and he tries to wreck your life. He tries to destroy you. He tries to make you less than what you are. He tries to make you buy into something that you're not. And you go with it. And he's trying his best. And he wants to destroy you. Church, I'm here to tell you the only reason why you haven't been destroyed is because God is keeping you. The only reason why the devil haven't killed you is because God is keeping you. It's not because you've been good. It's not because you know something about God. It's because God is keeping you, and that's why the devil has not destroyed you and wiped you out. It's because God. You remember in Job? You remember in Job? The devil said to God, Oh, please, you know, you know the only reason why Job is living for you is because you've been good to him. And God says, oh, really? I tell you what, I'm going to not let any goodness from me come to Job. I am going to give you free reign to do whatever you want to do in Job's life. Only you can kill him. So that tells you right away the devil is employed by God. <laughs> that tells you right away that whatever you're, the devil is doing to you, God has stopped him from killing you. You need to ask God, God, why you don't let him kill me? 
Somebody asked God that this morning. Why you don't let him kill me? Because I ain't really doing what you want me to do, God. I'm not serving you the way you want me to serve you, God. Why you just don't let the devil kill me? Because uh, he's wreaking havoc in my life, and you won't let him kill me. But, but guess what? I'm not doing right, God. How do you explain that, God? Listen to me. If we don't yield ourselves to God, we leave ourselves open for Satan to have his way in our life. So stop thinking that because you're not doing evil things on purpose. Stop thinking because you're not killing nobody. Stop thinking because you're not hurting nobody. Stop thinking because you're not hate. You're not hating on anybody that you're fine and, and that the devil can't be working in your life. Let me tell you something. When you don't surrender your life to God, when you don't submit your life to God, when you don't live in obedience to the word of God, you open yourself up to the devil's influence. Because what's going to influence you? If God can't influence you, the only thing that will influence you is the devil. The only thing that will influence you is the devil and your flesh. If God God can't influence you. There is no other influence that can influence your life. Your flesh, the devil, or Jesus. What is influencing your life? And we know this flesh is sinful. The flesh is, is, is mean. The flesh is, is selfish. It only wants what it wants. How many times you eating and you're full and the flesh tells you, just keep eating because that's so good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. How many times the flesh tells you that you should get this and you should get that? Rayon, the flesh will tell you what you want. And you know the funny thing about it, Rayon, I can tell you because you're young. You you go ahead and listen to the flesh, right? And get what the flesh tells you to get. And all after you're done, you're like, it wasn't even all that it was cracked up to be. That's the deception of the flesh. So you can't trust your flesh, and you definitely can't trust the devil. So what's influencing your life? Mm-hmm. So it's not because you're evil or something is wrong with you why you do the things that you do. The devil is working in the background. The devil is trying to do everything that he can to get your life messed up. Listen, in general, people are not evil. But the evil one, Satan, can get a hold of you and use and abuse you because you're not submitting your life to God. Listen, there are people in here today that you say, I'm a Christian. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues. I worship God. I pray. I read my Bible. The devil can still have control in your life. He might not possess you because guess what? He can't possess you when you have the Holy Spirit. Only one spirit can possess you at a time. Right. Only one spirit can possess you at a time. So if you have the Holy Spirit, the devil can never possess you. But he certainly can influence your mind, your thinking, your the, the, the works, the deeds of your life. He certainly can do that. So you might not have the devil in you, but the devil certainly can rule you even with the spirit of God in your life. Well, preacher, how does that work? God is in me. Let me tell you, how does that work? I told you that. It's one thing to have God in your life as a guest. It's a whole different ball game to have God in your life as host. This is very, very important. So if God is in your life, but you are ordering your life, 
how you want to order it, then God is just a guest in your life. And a guest don't have no say-so. Guests got to do what the host tell them to do. So if God is only a guest in your life where you say, well, chill out, God, and the only time he can do anything is when you tell him. The only time God can do anything in your life is when you give him permission. Oh, God, you can do this, but no, no, you're not going to do that. If that's how you're living your life, then God is a guest in your house. And if God is a guest in your house, the devil will have control of your life. The devil will dominate you. The devil will take over you. If God is only a guest in your life. But if you make God a host, a host means they're in control. A host means now they tell you what to do. And so if God becomes a host in your life, now he tells you what to do. If God is telling you what to do, you think the devil can tell you anything? If God is telling you what to do, you think the devil can have any presence in your life? If God is telling you what to do, you think the devil can rule you? You think the devil can control? The devil have nothing to do with you when God is in control of your life. Better yet, when God shows up in your life and take control of your life, the devil got to flee. He got to go. Too many Christians are living their Christian life with Jesus Christ being a guest in their life. And the devil is wreaking havoc. The devil is taking control because you thought that God was in your life and you didn't have nothing to worry about. Not unless you tell God to stay in the corner. If God is in your life and you tell him stay in the corner, I get to you and I get to you, God. He is just a guest. He is no longer God. He is no longer the ruler. He is no longer the sovereign one in your life. You are the one that's in control. And let me tell you a secret, church, you, have, you cannot even begin to deal with the devil on your own. This is why the Bible says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of people want to think that you can resist the devil and he will flee you can't resist the devil and he flee you can't resist satan on your own you can't fight satan on your own you have to submit to the power the word and the spirit of god and when you submit to god then the devil will flee if you don't submit to god the devil take up residence in your life and tell you what to do submit therefore to god and he will flee the devil, the, the devil have to go. He can't stay. When God steps in your life, the devil have to go. I'm telling you that right now. But when the devil is, is, is ruling in your life, when you yield yourself to the devil, because automatically once you resist God, you're yielding yourself to the devil. And you don't even understand that. So when you come into this house and you hear me preach the word of God and I tell you, hey, let's worship the Lord. And you decide, nah, I'm good. When I say, hey, let's praise the Lord. Hey, I'm good. Hey, let's come to the altar and get on our knees and seek the Lord. Hey, I'm good. When you do that, you automatically make yourself vulnerable for Satan to get in your life and begin to do what he wants to do because you have resisted God. But if you will submit to God, if you will resist if you will respond to God and obey God the devil got to leave your life and so because he yielded to Satan which will the same thing that happened to him can happen to us again it might not be to the same extreme 
but it can happen to us because he yielded to Satan, the thief. Satan is a thief. You heard that Thursday night from the preacher, right? Satan is a thief. The, the, the man lost everything because he allowed Satan to have influence in his life. He lost his home and he lost fellowship with his friends and family. He lost his decency as he ran around amongst the tombs naked. Uh, nobody want to talk to me about that today. He was naked running around. He lost his decency. He thought nakedness was just normal. He lost his self-control and lived like a wild animal, screaming, cutting himself, and frightening the citizen. He lost his peace and purpose for living, and that would have remained his plight until he encountered Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, you will be undecent. You will not be decent. You will be. You will not experience peace. You you will experience all kind of torment if you yield yourself to the devil and let him have control in your life. We might not be to the extreme, but it's the same result. That man was going to hell if he hadn't encountered Jesus. And it doesn't matter if it's extreme or not extreme. If the devil is ruling our life, we're not going to heaven. Never underestimate the destructive power of Satan. He is our enemy and would destroy all of us if he could. Uh-huh. If he could. You're not here this morning because you're just so strong. You're not here this morning because your mind is just better than the next person's mind. You're not just here today because, guess what, you're smarter than somebody else. You're not here because of that. You're here this morning because God says you can't kill him. You're here this morning because God says you can't kill her. You, you, you can't do that to them. I know they're not receiving my word. I know they're not responding to me, but I'm covering them and you can't kill them. That's another way. Of understanding what grace is all about. You didn't decide to submit to God. You didn't decide to give your life to God. But God's still keeping you. What kind of God is that? That you're not treating him good. You're not submitting to him. You're not obeying him. But he's still keeping you. He's still upholding you. He's still protecting you. He's still keeping you from destruction. What kind of God is that that we serve? That he's still keeping us even though we're resisting him. Even though we are being disobedient. He's still keeping us. That's grace. That's grace. And so the devil wants to kill you. And God says, no you don't. You're not doing it. It is Satan who is at work in the lives of unbelievers. Hear me clearly. It is Satan who is at work in the lives of unbelievers, making. Them... Got so much stuff. I got to get you out of here. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you don't practice, you don't live according to God's word, God, God's truth. You're no different than an unbeliever. I'll say it again because that's too important for me to just say one time. If you are a Christian, but you're not living according to God's word, you're not practicing God's truth, you're no different than an unbeliever out in the street that's cussing and fussing and drinking and smoking and whoring and doing everything. You're no different than them. Your sin might be different from theirs, but you and them are in the same predicament. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six, six claps, because that, that, that's things. That's things. I know it's things. But God sent me here this morning to preach his truth to you because God want to save you. Because God has been preserving you so he can break you. 
He's been preserving you so he can do a work in your life. He's been preserving you so he can bless your life. And so he called me to preach the gospel and to preach to you the word of God. Whether you like how it feels or not, God is reaching for you. God is reaching for you. God is wanting to save you. God is wanting to deliver you. God is here today and he wants to do a work in your life. So knowing the truth, but not practicing the truth, don't make you any different. You're no different. You're not in any different position. You're not in any different position than somebody that's out there that's doing wrong. You're not in any different position. Can I even take it a step further? You might be worse off. You you might be worse off because you know the truth and you're ignoring it. Those out there might not know the truth, and that's why they're living so reckless. Satan tried to destroy this man. He tried. As much as this man was a mess, God wouldn't allow him to destroy. What kind of God do we serve? Church, you got to realize the kind of God we serve. As as much as of a mess this man was, he, he scared the whole town. Running around naked. All of that stuff scared the whole town. But God still kept him. God is keeping you. God kept me as messed up as we were, as crazy as we were. God was keeping us even when we didn't understand. He was keeping us. He's no respect of persons. And if he kept this madman, he'll keep you that think you're sane, even though you're really not sane. But you think you're sane, so I'll let you think you're sane. By the power of his word, Jesus cast out the demons and set the man free. Guess what? Demons pray too. Yeah, they did. Anytime you talk to Jesus, it's prayer. So when he showed up, the demons said, you read it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Have you come to torment us now? That's prayer. Then they said, okay, okay, I know you're getting ready to cast us out. Can you do us a favor, please, please? Can you not cast us out of this country, out of this region? Can you just let us go into those pigs, please? They were praying. Isn't that kind of how we sound when we pray? God, please, will you help me? God, please, will you deliver me? Oh, God, will you save me? God, will you not let the evil one come against me and destroy me? Isn't that prayer to us? So what do you think they were doing? If the devil believe in prayer, if the devils are praying, me, baby, and if the devil is praying, then guess what? I better be praying. You better be praying. We can't let the devil outdo us. I know he's praying for survival and for God to keep him, but we need to pray and say, God, help us to do your will. The devils, they pray. They pray. Listen, the Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. That means the saints, non-saints, it don't matter who you are, everything. As a matter of fact, even nature got to bow down. 
So you figure that one out. Demons are not exempt. They got to bow. Here's something that's really interesting about all of this. Because they were asking God to send them in the pig, you know what it means? It means they didn't know what God was going to do. Not even the devils know God's plan for your life. Not even the devils know God's plan. One of the reasons, one of the biggest challenges we have as Christians together, you know, we have different beliefs. You know, some um, Christians say there's one God. Others says, there, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three separate. And, and the reason why we have that, you want me to tell you the reason why we have that and they don't realize it? Because Jesus had a plan. And he didn't want to reveal what he needed to reveal until it was time to reveal it. So all throughout scripture, he was, he was concealing what he was up to because the devil exists. And so he's concealing who he really is until it was the right time. It says in the scripture, and when the fullness of time, God sent. So he was concealing because it wasn't the fullness of. And here we are fussing, thinking two, three gods. And I'm like, no, it's one God. But he communicated and did things a certain way to conceal what he was up to. And then when the time came, he says, here I am, almighty God, manifest in flesh. So me, who you now see, was always the one working because I'm God all by myself. And besides me, there is no Savior. Besides me, there is no other God. Besides me, there is no other Savior. It's only one God, and his name is Jesus. only one God. So you're getting confused because he's trying to conceal his plan from this nasty liar. And you're, and we get, we, we getting caught up in, well, it got to be, no, one God, one God. It's just this devil that's trying to keep you from God, trying to destroy you. He is conniving. And just understand he had, he, he had exposure to the presence of God before, way before you were created. So he's got knowledge of a lot of things. So God had to do things a certain way and conceal things. So don't think it's more than one God. It's always one God. Listen to me. The gospel is the great disturber of sinful peace. The gospel is the great disturber of sinful peace. Remember I told you earlier. When you become accustomed to your sinful ways, you become comfortable with it. And we say, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. But the fact is, it's still the devil. And so we become accustomed to our sinful ways, and we are just comfortable in it. And we're saying, I know that I'm not what I need to be, but just pray for me so I can eventually become what I need to be. I'm not going to go down that road. But that's what we say, right? And so what we're basically saying is, this is what I'm accustomed to. And this is how I do things, right? And we're saying, even though it's, if there's some wrong in there, it's just the way it is, and God understands. But the problem is, it's still wrong. But we become comfortable with it. Point is, we become comfortable. This is what I do. And that's why we don't want to come to church. 
Because if you come to church, the gospel is going to disturb that comfort and peace that you have in your wrongdoing. Listen, church, listen to me. You got a preacher that's preaching to you. That was a stone cold sinner. That was a wretch undone. That was a mess. So you know when I preach this way, I'm not judging you. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm preaching to you because of the life that I used to live. I'm preaching to you to let you know I understand. If anybody else can understand, I understand. I wasn't born in the church. I didn't grow up in the church. I was a sinner. I was a mess. And guess what? God saved me. God reached out to me. And I gave my life to him. That's why I'm here today. So I'm not preaching to give you a hard time. I'm not preaching to judge you. I'm preaching to help you. I remember when I was kind of teetering on going to church. I used to only go to church, well, maybe two times a year. But the one time that I go all the time was New Year's Eve. And New Year's Eve, I have about three places that I got to go after church. I got to church about 1145 and let the preacher pray. Yeah. Preacher, pray. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I was in church. As soon as I left, I got three different spots I got to hit. And those, those three spots, I ain't doing nothing godly at those places. Uh-huh. No, nah, go on. Go on, go on, run, to do all kind of, you know, ungodly things. But the point is, the point is, we didn't want to stick around Jesus when we were in our ways of living. You might not be murdering nobody. You might not be stealing from nobody. You might not be hating on anybody. But the bottom line is, if you're not submitted and obeying Jesus Christ, you are not where you need to be in Christ. And the devil is wreaking havoc in your life. And so you stay away from church because the gospel will disturb your sinful peace. The gospel will disturb your sinful peace. Because we're not talking about the peace of God because there's only one peace. He's the prince of peace. We're not talking about the peace of God. We're talking about the peace that the devil will make you think you have. Remember now, it's peaceful when you settle in your spirit. This is what we do. We settle in our spirit and says, I do this right. I do that right. And I do that right. Yeah, I know I'm not doing that right, but God understands. You know what that means? You have settled in your wrong. You are comfortable. You are content in your wrong. Because hear me, if I'm doing 100 things right and I'm doing two things wrong, I am so just a mess and so just repulsed of myself from not doing all of it. I'm not focused on the 100 that I'm doing right. I'm focused on the two that I'm doing wrong. So I'm not going to tell nobody, you know, God understands. No, get them two things right in your life. God don't understand nothing but righteousness. God don't understand nothing but what he tells us to do, not what we try to tell him we're doing. So the gospel is the great disturber of sinful peace. When Christ steps in, the devil has to go out. And so the bottom line is, if you let God become the host of your life, the devil got to go. He got to go. Listen to me. When you get tired of being tormented and manipulated by the devil, you will cry out for Jesus. But I believe that some of us, we're just comfortable in that sinful way. We're just comfortable in just pleasing our flesh. We're just comfortable in doing what we've always done. But hear me, it's never going to get better. It's never going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse. And at some point in time, you're going to be so worse off or so bad off that
So again, learn the ways of God. If you are comfortable in where you are because you're doing some godly stuff, but you're not doing other, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. Why is it like that, preacher? Because God loves you so much that he's going to let you sink as low as you can sink until you say, I need help. Because he can't make, he don't help you just because he's God. He helps you when you says, I need your help. How many times did God meet people that were blind or people that were deaf or whatever the case may be? And what does he say to them? What will you have me to do? Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. He came over. He says, what do you want me to do? So it's not just good enough just to call God. You got to tell him exactly what you need for him to do. Uh Uh-huh. It's not good enough just to call him. You got to tell him exactly what you want. The greatest thing that can happen to us is an encounter with Jesus. The greatest thing that can happen to us is an encounter with Jesus. Let me tell you this. I'm closing up here. If the greatest thing that can happen to us is an encounter with Jesus, Brother Sharp, here is what happens. Most of us here today had an encounter with Jesus. That's why we're still here today. Most of us that are here today is because we had an encounter with Jesus. Here's the problem. That encounter has been so long that we forgot about it. That encounter has been so long that we're now taking that encounter for granted that we had with Jesus some time ago. And so here's the problem. We need another encounter with Jesus again. We need another encounter with Jesus because the one you had that got you to this point or the two you had that got you to this point is not good enough. You need another encounter with Jesus. You need another encounter with Jesus so the freshness of the encounter can be upon you again. I'm going to close this thing down. You can be free. If you want to be in Mark 15, we read it earlier. It says, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. It's safe to say through this scripture that if you haven't had an encounter with Jesus, you're not in your right mind. If you hadn't had an encounter in Jesus, where my girl, where my, where my lady at from this morning? I had a lady over here this morning helping me preach, right? And so I said to the church, I said, before you had your encounter with Jesus, you was walking around naked. And everybody got quiet. And I said, yes, you were naked. And I said to them, I said, there are places that I went to when I wasn't in Christ that they were dancing in underwears and bras. I went to those places. I don't know what places you went to. Then some people, since, you know, they, they, could, they, could, they couldn't do the underwears and, and bra. They got the short shorts and some top that looked like a bra. But the bottom line was they were naked and they were dancing and they were in front of the camera. And they would, in their mind, I look good. They wasn't in their right mind. And they were naked. When you want to show up yourself. Here I am, look at my flesh. You haven't had an encounter with Jesus. This is why, church, can I plead with you? Ask God for wisdom. Understand this. If someone come into church naked, don't give them a hard time. 
they're coming because they need an encounter with Jesus. Because if they're naked, it means they haven't had. So stop telling them what they're not. They already know. That's the reason why they're here. And when you look at what Jesus did, Jesus didn't run away from this naked man. Can you imagine? I don't mean to be graphic, but can you imagine this naked man running to Jesus? Just imagine that. You know, some of us do. Yo, yo, yo. Spiritual and all. Yo. Chill. We keep him at a distance. Like, yo, don't jump on me. You're running over here naked like that. I didn't read that in the scripture. I didn't read that in the scripture. Jesus had the encounter with the man. And when Jesus had the encounter with the man, he delivered the man. And later on, the man was sitting and had on clothes now. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, you know, put on some clothes. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you know, I can't be naked. When you have an encounter with Jesus, you know, I got to dress properly. And then I'm going to be in my right mind. So when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you get in your right mind, you're like, oh, snap. I need to get dressed. But if you ain't in your right mind, you just let it all hang out. I'm good. This is normal. So when you have an encounter with Jesus, you will be clothed and you will be in your right mind. Uh huh. Jesus wants you to come as you are, but he will not let you leave the way he found you. Jesus wants you to come the way you are, but he does not want you to leave the way he found you. Too many people are coming into the house of God and leaving the same way they came in. And that is not the will of God for your life. That is not what God wants for your life. The way how you came in is not supposed to be the way you leave out. If you have an encounter with Jesus, you will not leave the same way you came in. Let's stand. I'm going to finish here. I'm going to finish here. You may come under the influence of Satan, but you will leave in the power of God's spirit if you have a true encounter with God. You may come under the influence of Satan, but you can leave in the power of the spirit of God. Every church service we attend, we should leave in the power of the spirit of God. Your encounter with Jesus will deliver you and empower you and put you in your right mind. Will somebody go to God today before they leave and say, God, I want to be in my right mind. Give me an encounter with you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, church. And the gospel is the gospel of peace. And the peace and peace is one of the attributes of the fruit of the spirit. So we need Jesus. If, the, if we're going to experience peace, we need to experience Jesus. If we're going to have peace, we need to have an encounter with Jesus. Listen to me. The example of this man that was demon possessed is a picture of what happens to all of us before we come to Christ. And what happens to us when we are born again of the water and of the spirit. You might not have been running around the tombs naked. You might not have been cutting yourself with stones. But before Christ, you were doing it spiritually and you didn't have your right mind. And when you're born again. Of the water and of the spirit. When God touched your life. Then 
you become what you are supposed to be. When this man got healed, delivered and healed, he was so in awe of what Jesus had done for him that he wanted to be with Jesus all the time. Are you in awe of what God has done for you? Do you want to be with him all the time because of what he has done for you? And this man was so in awe of wanting to be with Jesus because he was so grateful for what Jesus had done for him that he says, let me come with you. Where are you going? Let me come with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Jesus wanted him to know, I want there to be a witness in this area of the capitalists. And now that you have been delivered, now that you have been healed, now that you have been saved, you are my witness in this area. And so I don't want you going any place. I want you to go home. Before this man was, was, was delivered, he couldn't go home. Before this man was delivered, he didn't have any relationship with anyone. But when God healed him, God sent him home. God didn't say, come with me. God sent him home because God is saying, when I touch your life, you need to be my witness. When I touch your life, you need to be a witness to tell people about me and what I've done. This is how the gospel has spread for so long is that when Jesus does something great, he says, guess what? You go that way and tell it because I'm going this way and as he moved through the region he does great things and he says you go that way and I'll go that way yes he took some with him and said y'all come with me but more stayed away see we like to read about the 12 disciples that became apostles and talk about them and don't realize there were more disciples of God than those 12 and so wherever he did miracles and did great things he had a ton of people going to be his witness to say look what the Lord is doing Church, if God touch your life and you has done for us. to worship God and not worry about what anyone else think. When you get free, you will not cease to give God the glory. This one last thing I'll tell you as I close. You know how you know the devil is working in your life. Down with a lot of things. Whether it's thoughts some people here today are thinking about what they'll do when they leave here or what's going on tomorrow. He weighs you down with weights. He weighs you down with life. He weighs you down with thoughts that don't even matter. He just weighs you down with wrong. And so when you're in the house of the Lord, you are here saying feel his presence. I do want to praise him. But guess what? How hard is it to do something with weights in your life? You ever try to do something while it's, you're being weighted down? Ethan, we go to the gym and we lift weights. We when you're when you're bench pressing, you can't do nothing but bench press because there's a weight that's coming down on you that you do nothing because you 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 have. That's what Jesus 
He comes to remove the weight and make you free. And so when Jesus come and remove the weights and get you free, guess what? When it's time to praise, it's not hard to lift your hands. <laughs> when Jesus come and remove the weights, when it's time to worship, it's not hard to bow your knees and worship God. When Jesus come and remove the weights, it's not hard to come to the altar and begin to magnify the Lord. When Jesus come into your life, it's not hard because he removed the weights. He removed the weights that's weighing you down. He removes the cares of life because he says, here I am. Cast your care. Cast oh. all your care. And you don't have to worship the Lord. You. We thank you today for your word and your but help us be transformed. Help us to leave change. Ah, God, I pray that you will lift some weights that's been weighing some people down in this church, Lord God. Lift the weights of burdens. God. Lift the weights that down, Lord God. Without upon them that they will in the power of your spirit today, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that your word, Lord, will take root into our heart and grow and produce good fruit. I pray for change to come to every one of us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we want your will to be done. We want your kingdom come. In the name of Jesus, we want your kingdom come. We want your will to be done. Oh, Father, set us free from the cares of this life. Set us free from the weight of sin and allow us to be Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We bless your name today. There is none like you, O oh God. You are the author and the finish of our faith, Lord God. We bless your holy name, Almighty God. Lord, do not let us leave this place the same way we came, but give us an encounter today. Oh God, let the chains fall, Almighty God. Oh God, will you free us from all the thoughts, from all the influence of the devil that we will leave here today with the thoughts of the Lord in our mind, with the works of God in our heart. The will of God will prevail in our life in the name of Jesus Christ. Have your way today, Lord God. Give us strength, Almighty God. Thank the Lord. 
Lift your voice and give God praise today. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. We love you. Have a great rest of your day, and God be with you.